Hi, and welcome to the Midlife Marriage Podcast. I'm Carrie Cohen, your host, and I am a wife, a mom, relationship strategist, and have been practicing as a psychotherapist for over 25 years. Consider this your new home for real, honest talk that you can only get in a therapy session until now. I'm here to empower you to create a marriage that fills you up from the inside out. And my goal is to share insights that resonate with you and create the kind of aha moments you need for deepening your connection with your partner. I have worked with hundreds and hundreds of couples just like you, and I'm going to show you that there's so much more to marriage than just checking a box. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Midlife Marriage Podcast. I'm happy to have you here today. So I am going to be talking about five of the most common communication mistakes that couples make and how to change them. So I'm going to break it down for you, and I will talk about each of the five. I'll give you some sort of ideas about how to begin to shift those, how to think about them first, actually, and then how to shift those. So let's get started. All right. Number one, and these are not in any order, by the way. Number one, lack of active listening. Okay. So we hear a lot about this term, active listening, passive listening, reflection, validation. Like we hear a lot of that. So let me just talk to you about active listening. When you're actively listening, you're not on your phone multitasking, taking in what the other's saying. You're not watching TV. You're not doing anything else. You're actually not multitasking. You're only taking in and receiving what the other is saying. And it's called active listening versus passive because you're actually receiving it. You're taking it in. You're thinking about it. You're metabolizing it or digesting it. So let's talk about some ways that this, this can look when you're not, when you're not active listening. So Couples commonly interrupt each other, right? So one's talking and the other one's interrupting, right? You can't be listening if you are interrupting the other person. So I always find this really interesting when I'm in a session with couples and there are some that will let their partner speak on and on and on and they'll just wait for them. And then there are others who can barely contain themselves in their seat. They're jumping out of their seat, ready to interrupt their partner. And this is something I've worked on a lot in my marriage is really not interrupting my partner when he's speaking. So, okay. So that's, that's the first way that, that a lack of active listening can uh, manifest also along those lines, sort of preparing a counter argument, right? So like they're speaking to you and you are in your head, you're sort of running through all the data, all the facts, according to your perspective, you're preparing your response. So you're actually not really listening. So what both of these really require is a patience, right? Which is something I've said that I'm not terrific at. So a patience and B listening without judgment, like really just allowing your partner to speak and share. You're creating a safe space for them. And so you're listening without judgment. The third way that this manifests when you're not listening actively is just ignoring like the nonverbal cues, missing out on 
kind of their facial expression or what their shoulders doing, if they're sitting with leaning back or leaning in, if their arms are crossed, what they're doing with their brow, are they furrowing it? So really paying attention to the nonverbal cues and allowing yourself to tune into the nonverbal communication, the tone of voice, facial expressions as I'm describing, the body language, because that's actually going to give you deeper insight into how they're feeling. Because as we know, sometimes there's a mismatch between what someone is saying the words they're saying, and how they're conveying it. Like, I'm not mad, I'm fine, right? So that's a more obvious one. You can hear the tone of voice. The tone of voice sounds angry, but they're saying they're not mad. So I want you to really tune into the tone of voice, facial expressions, the body language, and all of that. Okay, so that's number one. Lack of active listening is the first communication mistake, if you will. And next one is, hang on, let me see here. I got my notes down. Okay, not communicating your needs and expectations. This is a big one. So how this manifests in a few ways is the biggest one is assuming your partner knows what you're thinking, right? So many couples assume their partner knows what they need and and without expressing it. And so I will sit with couples and I will say, it's really important that you say to your partner, this is what I need from you. You get home from work, you need space, you're exhausted, you've had a long day, this is what I need from you. Or when I'm really sad, here's what I need from you. And inevitably that partner will say, well, if I have to say it and they don't know it, then it takes away from the authenticity of it. It's not genuine. And I say, that's not true. Actually, it is not true. We can tell our partner what we need and they can give it to us and they could give it to us from a very genuine place. They are not mind readers. They don't have crystal balls. They don't actually know what we need. Now, some things, if you've been together long enough, they kind of have a sense of what you need. But gosh, our mind, our, our state of mind shifts so often that they don't, they don't know every given moment and any given day what it is we need. So I'm sort of belaboring this because it's really a big one. So I just really want to drive the point home to advocate Speak openly by saying what it is that you need, okay? The second way that this manifests is avoiding difficult conversations. I can't tell you how many couples don't have these conversations. They shy away from challenging topics, which creates a buildup of unresolved issues, which I'm going to tell you creates a recipe for resentment. Like someone is mad about something and they haven't said anything for a long time and the partner is not doing anything to change it because they actually don't know. And you start to feel really resentful because this issue is building and building. So that's an easy fix. Truly, it's an easy fix. And what I say to all my couples is schedule regular check-ins. I encourage couples to have weekly check-ins, weekly business check-ins on sort of, you know, state of the union check-ins. And I also encourage brief daily check-ins, a mindset check, like, how are you? Not, how are you? I'm fine. But like a really, truly, how are you? Like, where's your mind today? That can take just a few minutes. Also, I talk with couples about having these nightly stress-less convos. This is an opportunity to download about your day. So we definitely don't want to avoid difficult conversations. And the third way that this can manifest when we're talking about not actively listening, the third way this can manifest is by just using negative language, blaming language, hurtful language. And I'm going to talk about this more, but 
really being disarming and choosing very constructive language. And the way we could be disarming is by having a soft startup. Like, hey, there's something I would like for us to be able to talk about is now a good time. And then using I, I statements, which is really comes from Communication 101. Like, I feel X when you do Y. So we are taking responsibility for how we feel. So we always want to frame things in a constructive, positive set of languages. And when I say positive, I don't mean like happy. I mean positive or neutral versus negative. You don't. You never. Because we are more inclined to get our partner to hear us when we frame it that way. All right. The third communication mistake is... Allowing emotions to escalate. And, you know, you might say, I don't have control over my emotions, but we do and we don't. We, we, we can when we've actually learned how to emotionally regulate. We don't when we haven't been taught that skill or we haven't learned how to really develop that capacity. So we do and we don't. It's really important that we learn the skills to regulate our emotions and we also really develop that capacity. It's, it's a skill set and it's also a capacity and the more we do it, the more we develop it. And look, I'm not perfect about it. I'm working on it all the time, every day. So, so here's how this will manifest is really escalating arguments, becoming defensive, resorting to shouting, blaming. What I say to couples all the time is the moment this starts happening, please, please, please take a time out. We actually want to prevent further uh, accumulation of negative interactions and we want to preserve what you have. So take a time out. Someone, anyone who is in the state of mind at that moment to be able to say, ah, uh, this is going sideways and we agreed we're going to take a time out. So I'm calling a time out. And you both have a conversation prior to where you do agree that, look, if things are going sideways, then we need to take a time out. And whoever calls it, calls it. But we both have to agree. And so I get couples to agree right up front. Like, yes, okay, that's what we're going to do. So take a time out. And I always say to couples and individuals for that matter, don't continue a discussion if you find yourself going into flight, fight, flight mode, because when we're in fight, flight mode, and I'm going to do a whole episode on, on this topic, but when you're in fight, flight mode, you're not, your thinking brain is offline. When your thinking brain is offline, you can't think rationally. So to think that you're going to be able to have a conversation and solve a problem when you're in fight, flight, you're, you're really misleading yourself. So take a time out, get yourself grounded, get yourself back up into your safety zone, and then revisit it. All right, the second way that this can manifest is really just bottling up emotions. Like a lot of people might suppress their emotions, really avoiding conflict altogether, which is another recipe for resentment. And so sometimes people come by this honestly. You grew up in a home where people didn't share their emotions. It's not comfortable. It's not familiar. Or you've had experiences in life where you've actually shared your emotions and it wasn't received well and it escalated, whether it's previous relationships, romantic relationships, or in friendships or at work or with your parents. And so I really want you to think about how to start to express your emotions, not bottle them up and create a safe space in your relationship where the two of you can share your feelings with each other in a respectful way. That is a crucial element of being able to have a relationship that you can continue to grow and develop. Being able to share how you feel, right? Uh, and the third way this manifests is making assumptions about the other person's intent. 
we talk a lot about intent versus impact. So what I'm intending might not always be the impact it has on the other. Now, that's on me, though. That's not on the other person. So I can't say, well, I didn't intend it that way. I'm sorry if you heard it that way. I'm sure you've heard that before. So first off, that's not an apology. And second of all, that's not the other person's responsibility. It's our responsibility to make sure we're communicating it in a way that the impact actually matches the intent, right? So so that's a little a little sort of offshoot to what I'm talking about here, which is making assumptions about intent. So couples oftentimes misinterpret their partner's intent and assuming the worst, right? You assume the worst, particularly when you're in a fight. So it is so important that you ask for clarification and not jump to conclusions. I was in a session recently with a couple and he said something and I heard one thing and the wife heard another and she says, Carrie, what I just heard there was X, Y, Z. And I, and she's like, what did you hear? Which I thought was perfect. Like perfect, perfect that she asked me what I heard. Now, if it was just them two, I think she would have jumped to her own conclusion. So I said what I heard was, and really what I heard was him giving context to something from his upbringing. What she heard was something about her. So we do personalize things. And so it's really important you ask for clarification. And you do that by saying, okay, so if it was used my husband, Steve. So all right, Steve, what I hear you saying is you're blaming me for this entire issue with our daughter <laughs> being extreme there. And, he'll, and, and, the, and is that... Am I hearing that correctly? And then I give him a chance. And I really have to say it in a neutral tone. I have to do my best. And that gives him an opportunity to say, oh my gosh, absolutely not. Like, no, that is not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. And so it gives him a chance to clarify. Because if I don't clarify and I'm hearing him blame me for the entire situation, I'm going to lash out. I'm going to be angry. And it's going to start this huge fight. And we're going to get the ball rolling. And it's going to be really difficult to reel that in. So clarification before you make an assumption about your partner's intent. All right, moving on. The fourth common communication mistake. I sort of addressed this a little bit above, but I'm going to expound upon it. Not paying attention to the nonverbal communication. So uh, the first way that this can look is just disregarding body language, really. Like not looking at how the person is holding themselves, which might be giving you a big indicator of how they're feeling. I look at this in session with couples. The moment I start a session and, and I say, hello, I don't usually say, how are you? Because it's, you know, they're in therapy, they're working on their relationship. And so I, I say something like, you know, where are you today? Or where's your mind? Or start where you want. And sometimes they'll start with like a big like, and I already know that there's a heaviness. They're feeling something really heavy. I see it in the way that they they shrug their shoulders. I hear it in the the big sigh. And so we want to pay attention to that. We want to pay, I will sort of like look at that with my husband when he wakes up in the morning and I'll say, hey babe, how's it going? And I'll be like, fine. And so I know, I know that there's something, maybe he didn't sleep well, maybe he had a really bad dream and it's like weighing heavily on him. Maybe he was up in the middle of the night stirring about something. So we want to pay attention to the body language. We also want to make sure, you know, we're thinking about nonverbal communication. Some couples forget to express affection through nonverbal means, like using nonverbal gestures of love, hugs, kisses, holding hands, a gentle touch, rubbing their back putting your hands in their hair, anything that reinforces the bond, that is a really, really big one. And when couples get really busy, myself included, we forget to do that and we're missing out on a big piece of communication there. <clears throat> All right. 
Last one. This is a biggie. Avoiding active problem solving. So let's talk about a couple ways. I'm going to give you two ways that this manifests and then what we could do about it. Repeating the same arguments again and again. So most couples have two to three arguments that they repeat over and over again. And when I start the work with couples, that's what I'm looking for. I let them go round and round a few times until I've got the theme and then I just put a stop to it because you don't want to repeat the same argument. You're not paying me to sit with me to repeat the same arguments. I let you go until I see what the themes are and then I extract the themes and now we're working with two to three of the same. The topic itself might be different but the theme is actually the same and you repeatedly repeat it without actually seeking any kind of resolution. So what we really want to do is we want to say like, okay, wow. I'm having a touch of nostalgia. I feel like we've argued about this before. So you begin to think about, all right, what are the, what are the things we argue about all the time? And then if you could start, if you could even just in your 30-minute business meeting every week that I encourage you to have, if you can start to track them and then really start to extract the themes from them and say, okay, I see we are repeating the same argument and I think what it's about is that I'm feeling, let's say, unappreciated and it keeps manifesting in the same repetitive argument. I'm not feeling appreciated. So what I want you to do when you're having this conversation is to begin to look at the felt experience of the other. The objective of conflict is mutual understanding. I say this to a couple. It's not to decide the facts. It's not to decide who's right or wrong. It might not even decide to be deciding at that moment to come up with a solution. The solution is actually the byproduct of the mutual understanding. So once you understand, and I can say to my husband, I just, I feel unappreciated for this big piece of thing I'm doing. And he could say, gosh, I really had no idea. I thought I was expressing gratitude and appreciation for that, but you know what? I feel, I feel you like it's your feeling, it's your experience. So I'm going to start coming up with other ways that I could really communicate that. So you feel appreciated and valued in the relationship. So we're, we're thinking of ways of solving that once we have mutual understanding and it usually comes pretty easily. The other way that avoiding a problem, act of problem solving is by withholding information. So some partners actually withhold information or solutions, which hinders your progress. So many couples are not speaking openly and therefore they're not actually sharing all the things that they're thinking. So what I want you to do is I want you to share your thoughts, your ideas, your brainstorming solutions. I want you to share those openly and early so that you could begin to foster this collaborative relationship in a problem-solving approach. So think about your marriage. It's always collaborative. And so when you withhold information, think about if you're, if you're at work and you work on a team, if you have critical information and you withhold it, withhold it it's an important puzzle piece that is missing that could potentially be an important part in resolving this issue. And you want to be collaborative when you're working on a team. So uh, one of the things I'm going to link in the show notes is my couple's guide to conflict. That's a way to really transform the stress in your marriage and start to practice and learn how to diffuse triggers swiftly. I, I, I am using an emotional regulation approach through the nervous system regulation practice, but I am going to do a separate episode on that. 
but I'm going to link it here so you can download that. And, and just to sort of reiterate, you know, communication is really the cornerstone of a healthy relationship. And so when you can recognize these mistakes, these common communication mistakes, knowing that we all make them, look, I make them, my husband makes them. I do this work. It's, it's frankly easier to teach than it is to embody, but I do my best every single day to embody it. And so I just want you to keep in mind that the more you practice this and the more you work it, the, the deeper connection you're going to have. And ultimately, it leads to just a stronger, more satisfying relationship with your partner. So thanks for tuning in to the Midlife Marriage. And I hope you found this episode helpful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Midlife Marriage. If you liked this episode and if my mission and approach resonate with you, please subscribe to the Midlife Marriage on Apple Podcasts and feel free to leave a rating. Also, if you'd like to stay up to date on the groups and classes I'm hosting for couples just like you, please consider joining my mailing list and following me on Instagram. You can also check out my website where you can learn more about me, my practice, and what I offer.